Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. And I'm telling you, this has been an amazing week uh, in the lives of people that have been coming up and carrying the cross. I mean, literally, we have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come up and carry the cross this week. Um, I, I was kind of looking over some of the crosses. And there was a, there's a couple of comments that I want to read to you that, that people wrote. One of them was on this kid's cross uh, right here. Let me see if I can find Oh, yeah, here it is. It says this. It says, Day two, because apparently this is the second day this kid carried it. Day two, it was heavier this time than last time. Isn't that awesome? I love that. And there's a lot of really good ones on there, but man, that one, that one stood out. Um, <laughs> let, me read you, let me read you a couple of comments off this cross. Um, right here on the end, somebody wrote this. They wrote, Lord, save me from myself. It's huge. Here's another one. <clears throat> I don't need to worry because you are taking care of me. So I will stop and let you do what you do best. Care for me. Isn't that awesome? And then uh, there was a couple on this side I wanted to share with you. Um, here's this one. I never really thought about the cross in the way that we're supposed to until now. I always thought of it as an overused Christian sign. It felt really good to put it back down off my shoulders. Thank you, Lord, for taking the burden of my sin off my shoulders. How cool is that? And then the, the crosses have been so written on that people are now starting to write on the bases. Um, here's this one. Lord, thank you for my beautiful family. Without you in our life, there would be no happiness. You are an awesome God. Thank you for the most ultimate sacrifice. We love you, Lord. Isn't that awesome? I mean, tell you, God's been doing some amazing things in the lives of people that have been carrying the cross. Um, so I want to challenge you this week, just like I've challenged each of the last two weeks, I want to challenge you again next week. Make a commitment to come up and carry the cross. We've got five crosses here. Two of them are kid sizes. They are available after the third service today, and they'll be available 24-7 out on the lawn, kind of on this side of the parking lot, right as you pull in. And so what you do is when you come up, you make sure that you come up with a heart ready to hear from God. Don't be in a hurry. And you come up and you, take, you pick up the cross out of its stand, and then you carry it 40 yards to a stand that is just across the way. And it's during that 40-yard journey that you ask God to speak to you about whatever. And if he tells you something, take a Sharpie, and there's Sharpies on the ground right by the basis, and write on the cross what it is that God showed you to encourage the people that come after you. And I would encourage you also, make some time to come up and start reading the comments that people have written on the cross. I mean, it is amazing what God is doing in people's lives. I mean, it, it, it's, it's been unbelievable. You see, because God wants us to 
carry the cross. I mean, his command in the Bible is for us to carry the cross. Our problem is, is that because we've never seen anybody really crucified on a cross before, we don't think of the cross the same way that people in Bible times thought about it. And so when we're told to carry our cross, it doesn't mean the same to us as it meant to them. And so I want to encourage you to come up and literally carry the cross because it helps you interact with the, with the cross in a way that is unfamiliar. It helps you hear from God in a different way, in a fresh way. It will help you hopefully begin to recapture what it means to carry the cross and put it back into a perspective that is closer to what it was like in biblical times. I remember for me this week, one of the times when I came up and carried the cross, um, it was, I carried it in the morning. It was in the morning, right before we had that, like, that really big storm this last week. Remember that? Um, and the wind had already started to blow, and it already started to get pretty cold. So I'm out there carrying my cross, and as soon as I started carrying it, I mean, bam, the Lord started speaking to me. Because it was cold out, he reminded me that... People were very cold toward Jesus when he was carrying the cross. Really, two days prior, they were cheering him when he came into the city. But now, just a few days later, they were jeering at him and yelling at him and screaming their hatred towards him while he was carrying the cross. And then, the Lord showed me that the winds of popular opinion had already changed and were blowing hard against Jesus. In fact... He had been abandoned by everybody that he loved and that he was close to. His disciples had abandoned him in his hour of greatest need. But yet, Jesus continued on. And it was at that point that I couldn't continue on. I, I just stopped. Because as I looked at that stand that was now about 20 yards away, I realized... In a, in a very real, I could feel why Jesus kept going. And it was because he loved me. And he cared about me so much that he kept going. And so I just stopped. And I just stayed, I don't know how long I stayed there, but for a while. And I just thanked him over and over and over again for doing what it took to die on a cross so that I wouldn't have to pay for my sins. And I thanked him again and again and again. I'll tell you, it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And so that brings us to our passage today. Because our passage today talks about that in view of God's mercy, because of what God has done for us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, that we, therefore, we ought to be conformed to his image. And this passage, it tells us how we should be conformed to his image. It tells us exactly what we ought to do to change our lives to be conformed to his image. And furthermore, if we do that, if we make the changes to be conformed to his image, then God will reveal his will for how we are to live our lives, that he will tell us the direction we need to go. He'll give us his will for our lives and he'll make it known to us. 
But conversely, the opposite is true. If we do not conform to his image, then we forfeit the ability to hear from God what his will is of how he wants us to live our lives. That when we have a decision to make, that we forfeit knowing which one God wants us to take and which one he doesn't want us to go. That when we literally have a whole series of choices in front of us and we have no idea which way to go, if we are not conforming our lives to his image, then we won't know which way God really wants us to go. And the only way for us to know God's will is for is if we choose willingly to conform to his image. Well, all right. Well, how do we do that? How do we conform to his image? Well, that's the question. So pull out your message notes. How? How, how do I conform to his image? Well, here's the first thing you've got to do, and write this down. This is your first fill in the morning. You've got to press into the mold. You've got to press into the mold. We started this little section of verses last week. It's really only two of them. We looked at verse one last week. We'll look at verse two today. But let's read it all together in context. So follow along as I read it. It says, uh, chapter 12 of Romans starts this way. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer. Would you underline those two words, any longer? Do not conform any longer to the pattern. Would you circle the word pattern? We're going to come back to that in a second. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay? Now, I had you circle the word pattern because the word pattern, it literally means mold. It, the word pattern literally, literally means mold. Not mold like like blue cheese or what's growing on the inside of your teenage son's shoes, okay? Not that kind of mold, okay? But it, 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 it's, it's a mold like you would press something into and therefore it would form a pattern. Like if you would pour hot wax into a mold, that wax would conform to that pattern. It would conform to that mold. That, that's, that's what he's talking about here. And so the, the, the Bible says that Our dilemma is that instead of being pressed into the mold that looks like Christ, we have allowed ourselves to be pressed into the mold that looks like the world. Remember, Paul is writing here, he's writing to people who are already Christ followers that are living in Rome. And he's telling them, hey, look, you've got to stop living your lives like the rest of society. And we know he's telling that because he says, he says, don't do this any longer. Because you see, the, the people in Rome, they were having a problem matching up what they believed with the way that they were actually living. See, it was like they believed one way, but the way they lived indicated another way. I mean, don't we have that same problem today? I mean, aren't there tons of Christ followers who say they believe one way, but the way they live indicates something entirely different? I mean, it's the same dilemma. And so he, said, he tells us, he said, stop doing that, that. Because that hypocrisy, 
of believing one way and living another way, that hypocrisy drives other people away from Christianity because they don't have anything to do with it. But even worse, when we don't conform to his image and we live that hypocrisy, it cuts us off from being able to know God's will for our lives. Now, I'm going to explain it a little bit more here in just a few minutes. But if we don't conform to his image, we will not know what God's will is for our lives when we have decisions to make in front of us. We won't know what his will is in any given situation. I mean, to which we say, well, I mean, I want that. I mean, I want to know God's will for my life. I mean, if I've got a big decision to make, one that really could affect my family, maybe could be a life changer for me. Well, I definitely want to know what God's will is for my life. And we all do, don't we? If that's the case, then you have to be willing to press into the image of Christ to be conformed to his image if you want to know what God's will is. And I will say this, that to be willing to be pressed into his, his image means also that you have to reject the mold, being pressed into the mold of the world. Let me give you an example. Our world says, hey, you know what? It is totally okay to sleep with someone that you're serious about before you get married. In fact, you really probably should because, I mean, isn't that a great expression of your love to that person? And after all, you want to make sure that you're sexually compatible, right? I mean, that's what the world says. They say it's the greatest expression of love and that you ought to do it to make sure that you're sexually compatible. Seriously, have you ever known newlyweds not be sexually compatible? No. Newlyweds, they're like, well, you know what they're like. <laughs> but they're not sexually incompatible. You know that, okay? And, you know, in fact, the truth is, the truth of the matter, here's what, they don't, here's what you don't understand, is that people who sleep together before they're married, it actually brings more insecurity into their marriage and not more security. It brings insecurity because people that sleep together before they're married, you know what, if, 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 your, mate was, if your mate was okay with sleeping with someone that they weren't married to, then perhaps later on in a season of weakness or when the marriage isn't going so well, what's to prevent them from sleeping with someone else that they're not married to? So there's an underlying insecurity there. But conversely, if we allow ourselves to be conformed to the image of Christ and say, okay, God, if you say that sex is to only be saved for marriage, then I adopt that. It actually will bring great security into a marriage. And isn't that a, a better expression of love? I mean, isn't it a higher expression of love? To be able to say to someone, you know what, I'm willing to exert the self-control necessary because I care about you and love you so much that I will wait until the day we formalize that commitment before God and before family and friends. That's a much higher expression of love. And it brings so much more security into the marriage because you know that that person, your spouse, has the ability to exert self-control. In addition to that, moms and dads, when you're teaching your kids about purity, I mean, I know you probably, the, the world says, well, you know what, um, 
no, you, yeah, sure, uh, tell your kids to try to remain pure, but they're probably not going to, so, you know, make sure you also teach them about safe sex and all that other kind of thing. Look, why not instead teach your teenagers to become conformed to the image of Christ and hold high the standard of purity and help them to understand that, yeah, it's a battle, but you're going to have to make some tough choices and let me help walk you through what that looks like. Why not do that instead? That is helping them conform to the image of Christ. Let me, try, let me give you another one. Parents, grandparents, think about this. We all think it's natural for kids to, you know, if they've got brothers and sisters, to just have sibling rivalry, right? That's just natural. Well, yeah, it is natural, but that's because they have a sin nature. That's not conforming to the image of Christ. I mean, Amy and I, we tell our kids all the time. We're like, hey, your brother is your best friend. Hey, your sister is your best friend, and you need to treat that other person like that. Look, do they still fuss and get angry and get upset with each other? Well, yeah, they do, because they have a sin nature. They do that. But it is our job as parents to help teach and train them. How do you overcome that sin nature? And one of the best proving grounds is to help them overcome this idea of sibling rivalry. It doesn't, it, there's no biblical passage that says that, that that should be there. We're family. They should love each other. We have to teach them to, we have to, teach them to overcome that sin nature and conform to the image of Christ. That is what it means. And those are just a couple of examples. There's hundreds more. But look, let me give you the key. The key is this. This is your next fill-in. To conform to his image, you have to spend time pressing into the mold. To conform to his image, you've got to spend some time pressing into his mold. That is, you've got to spend time pressing into a relationship with Christ by praying, by reading the Bible, All right, so let me just ask you a very simple question. How much time do you spend a week reading, praying, sacrificing, giving, volunteering, sharing, inviting, carrying the cross? How much time a week do you literally spend doing that? If you want to be conformed to his image, you have to log the time. There is no other way. If you're not spending time alone with God, there is no other way for you to be conformed to his image. It doesn't happen any other way. You got to press into that mold. You got to spend some time praying and reading and going to small group and volunteering. You got to do those kinds of things. And when you do, then you are press, voluntarily pressing yourself into that mold. And then you slowly begin to conform to the image of the mold. That is what this passage is talking about. That's what it means to carry the cross. Okay? But the passage doesn't stop there. It continues on and tells us to do a second thing that is incredibly important. Number two, this is the second thing you have to do, and that is this. Intentionally transform your mind. You have to intentionally transform your mind. So do I. Look at Romans 12. Let's just look at verse 2. It says this. It says, 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, and I want you to underline this, renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. The Bible says we're supposed to renew our minds. Well, how in the world do you do that? How do you, how do you change your pattern of thinking? Well, let me give you some suggestions. Let me give you, let me give you four bullets. Here's the first thing, and that is this. Read the Bible regularly. And I know that sounds so elementary, but honestly, I'm always amazed by the the sheer numbers of people that don't read their Bible regularly. I mean, look, most Christ followers know they ought to read their Bible, but they don't do it. And the reason why, I think, is a lot of times they, they, st- they started out trying to read it before. And, you know, they, they picked up their Bible and said, okay, well, I'm going to read it. So like any good book, you, they started at the beginning. And they started with Genesis. And then they realized, holy smoke, that's 50 chapters long. And let's say they powered through those first 50 chapters. Then they got to Exodus, much shorter book, only 40 chapters there. Let's say, they, let's say they powered through those first 90 chapters of the Bible. Then they get to Exodus with all those really long, hard names and animal sacrifices. They're like, okay, I'm out. Like, I'm done. I see some of you nodding your head because you've done it. I have too. That's how most of us look. That's not the best way to read the Bible. Let me, let me, offer, you, let me offer you a couple suggestions here. Two quick things. First is this. Don't start with Genesis. Start with the book of Mark. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. uh, It's the second book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark. It's only 16 chapters long. It tells the story of Jesus, and it's easy to understand. Start with that book. Here's the second thing. Two weeks from today, I'm starting a brand new series called Puzzled by the Bible. There's invite cards in your seat inviting that you can pass up to friends, inviting them to come to that series. In that series, I'm going to take five weeks and we're going to talk about how do you read the Bible? How do you understand it? How can you apply it? Where did the Bible come from? How do you know it's reliable? How do you even, how was it formed? How do you even know it's God's words? We're going to talk about all of that. And it is going to be an incredible series. Make sure you are there. And it'll transform the Bible for you, I promise. All right, here's the second thing you need to do. You got to be around other people who are seeking to be transformed. If you want to be transformed, you got to be around people who want to be transformed. Because you become like the people you hang around with. So hang around with people who are trying to transform their own thinking. One of the best places to do that is in a, say it with me, it's in a small group. That's right. We've been talking about small groups the last three weeks. It's in a small group. And lucky for you, the spring semester small group starts today, okay? This is the first week of small group. Make sure that you go and go regularly. Don't just sign up. Look, we're already well past 1,300 people signed up for a small group. If you have not, I know it's, un, it's unreal. If you have not signed up for a small group yet, it's not too late. You can still do that online. You can even do it in the service today. And we'll get you in touch with a small group. And look, if you missed this first meeting, it's, that's not the end of the world. You're only missing one out of like 13, 14 meetings. It's fine. But sign up for a small group. I'll tell you at the end how to do that. Here's the next one. Memorize verses that God uses to inspire change in you. You've got to memorize verses that God uses to inspire change in you. Look, to transform your mind, you've got to put more good things in there. All right? The best thing that you can put in your mind is God's word. 
Okay? So let me, that said, let me ask this. How many verses of Scripture do you have memorized word for word and know where they are? How many? Five? Ten? Fifteen? Twenty? Let me tell you this. My wife teaches a, thir- a small group for third graders up here on Wednesday night. This last Wednesday night, she had multiple third grade kids. These kids are like nine years old. Multiple third graders tell her, word for word, 36 verses that they've memorized just since September. 36. If a nine-year-old can do it, you can do it. You can. You just have to memorize the verses that God's using to change you. And maybe you want to start with memorizing our verses today, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Maybe you start there. All right. Fourth thing to do this. Be ridiculously careful about what you let in your mind. Be ridiculously careful. Look, you cannot transform your mind if you keep filling it with images and movies and websites and magazines and music that glorify violence, infidelity, um, sexual activity, excessive drinking, and excessive drug use. You cannot transform your mind by putting all that stuff in there. Well, you, you can. It's just in the wrong direction. But if you want to transform your mind, you've got to be ridiculously careful about what you allow in here, about what you put before your eyes, about what you let come in your ears. You've got to be ridiculously careful about that. One good standard for doing that is just simply ask this question. If Jesus were standing here right in my shoes, would he watch this? Would he keep playing this video game? Would he walk out of this theater or would he stay here and watch this would he rent that would he download that would he tweet that would he post that you got to ask those questions and be ridiculously careful about what goes in your mind okay and i've got some good news for you in fact i don't have good news i have incredible news because check it out What is the result of doing all this stuff that we've talked about? The result is this, is that you can know God's will in any given situation. You can know God's will in any given situation. Look quickly how this passage wraps up. It says this, it says, then, after you do all this stuff, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You'll be able to look at any given situation and know what God's will is. You'll be able to take that situation, test it against God's will. You'll be able to know it because it says you can approve it. That means you're like, yep, I can look at that. I know it's God's will. You can do that in virtually any situation. Do you know the number one question that I get? It's not like theological stuff like, you know, hey, Mike, is Jesus really divine? Or things like, you know, Mike, do we really have free will or is everything predestined? No, no, people don't ask me that. Everybody asks me, the number one question I get far and away is this, Mike, what is God's will for me in this situation? Whatever that situation might be. Far and away the number of question I get. Number one question I get. Why? It's because people want to know what God wants for their lives. And this passage says that you can know it if you will conform to his image. Now, why is that true? Because look, check it out. Once you start conforming to his image, Whenever the world tries to press you into its mold, it's going to feel very uncomfortable. 
because it doesn't fit you any longer. And you'll know, Man, that's not God's will for me. Likewise, what, the longer you spend time for conforming to his image, the more time you spend with Christ, the clearer his voice will become to you. And he will speak to you. You will know exactly what his will is because there will be times he'll just flat tell you. But in order for all of that to happen, you've got to reject the pattern of this world and you've got to spend time pressing into this mold by being t- intentional about changing your thinking. Does that make sense? One of the key ways that you can do that, one of the ways that hundreds of people are doing that, is they've made commitments to come up and carry the cross. If you haven't made a commitment to come up and carry the cross, or you haven't made coming up to carry the cross, I promise you, this is something you want to do. You come up and carry the cross. Spend some time pressing in to Jesus. And begin that process of conforming to his image by transforming your mind. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to pull out your connection card. I want you to turn it over. I want you to look at the back. Look at the next steps. I want you to check the next step or steps that you are willing to commit today. And I want you to check it two places. Check it on the card because you're going to turn this in. And we're going to pray for every single person by name that turns into a card. Turns in a card. But check it on your sermon notes so you remember what you've committed to. Maybe it's this first one. I commit to come carry the cross at least three times this week or daily this week. Circle one of them. Would you come three times or daily? How about this next one? I commit to start one habit this week that will mold me into his image. Whatever habit that is. Praying, reading, giving, sharing, inviting, going to small group, whatever it is. I will take steps to transform my mind by, and I want you to circle one of these. Bible reading, by praying, by volunteering, or you can circle more than one if you want to. Going to small group, memorizing, filtering. What I mean by that is I'm going to filter what goes in here. I'm not going to just take it all anymore. I'm going to filter some of these things out. Maybe it's this next one. I will memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2. Awesome verse. If you don't know this, you absolutely ought to. Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Incredible verse. Everybody should know that one. Commit to memorize it. This next one. I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you, you should, that's where you have to start. You have to be born again spiritually before you can renew your mind spiritually. If you've never prayed a prayer asking Jesus Christ to change your life, you can do that today. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Pray it right now. But check the box so we can mail you some information in the mail. And on your way out, pick up a new believer packet. Uh, they're on a little table just before you walk out the door. Maybe this is the next one. Sign me up for a small group. There's a catalog. There's a blue code beside each small group in a catalog. Find a group that's not closed and write the code down. And that will sign you up. Your leader will email you this week. Or you can go sign up online. But if you know, do it in the service. Or sign my child or teen up for a small group. It's not too late to sign your kids or teenagers up. But you have to write their name down and the code. And we have teenage small groups and children's small groups that are in the catalog. Let me pray for you. Pat, worship team, you guys come on back up. Father, I thank you so much for this, this message. I thank you for the power that is in the cross. The power to change our lives, to conform us to your image. And I ask God that you would help us 
to really carry the cross. Not just carrying it 40 yards, but carrying it as a lifestyle. Help us to do that for your glory. And Lord, I ask that you would bring us all back safely next week to hear more about what it means to carry the cross. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282. 